This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Damian Bolwa. Today on Fifth and Mission, a battle of iconic California crops is playing out in Napa Valley. Some wine growers have proposed a ballot measure to legalize marijuana cultivation in America's most famous wine region. But support is not universal in the wine community or on the local board of supervisors. Reporter Malia Russell and wine critic Esther Mobley are here. They sat down to talk with food editor Paolo Lucchese about the details of the proposed measure. Their conversation right after this. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome to Fifth and Mission. I am not Damien and I am not Audrey. Uh, my name is Paolo Lucchese. I am an editor at the San Francisco Chronicle. And today we're here talking about cannabis and wine. I'm here with uh, two of our best reporters. I'll, well, I'll let you guys introduce yourselves. I'm Esther Mobley. I'm the Chronicle's wine critic. And I'm Leah Russell. I'm a business reporter, and I cover the legal marijuana industry. Um, earlier this month, you two of you collaborated on a story about um, cannabis controversy, um, and that's happening up in Napa Valley. What's going on up there? So you have a war of cash crops going on in the Napa Valley. There's a group of entrepreneurs. Uh, they mostly come from the wine industry, and they have gathered enough signatures put a measure on the ballot next year that would actually legalize pot farming for commercial use. And it's only in certain parts of Napa. Yeah, it's essentially just uh, would legalize cannabis cultivation in parts of Napa County that are already zoned for agriculture. So not in any downtown commercial districts, but in areas of the county where they've they've halted development essentially for vineyards. But now uh, cannabis could be grown in those areas, too. So you have on one side this group of cannabis and wine major names on both sides uh, who are rooting for this and saying, you know, cannabis in the valley is going to be a boon for the local economy. It's going to uh, bring in an audience that the wine industry has previously failed to reach. Um, and then on the flip side, you have opponents saying uh, there's not room for both in the Napa Valley. So, I mean, Napa Valley is obviously America's most famous, celebrated wine region. Um, who is behind this measure? So this group of entrepreneurs that has formed to uh, create the Napa Valley Cannabis Association, uh, familiar names from the wine industry like Stephanie Honig from Honig Vineyards, Rob Mandavi Jr. of Folio Wine Partners, um, and a lot of other folks who are in the wine industry are backing this. A few of them, uh, notably Eric Sklar, who used to be part of Alpha Omega Winery and now owns a cannabis 
grow operation in Lake County have kind of obvious commercial interests in cannabis being legalized for cultivation in Napa County, but others say they're, they don't have any designs on getting into the cannabis business themselves. They just really think for various reasons it's, uh, would, would help Napa County, would help its economy, would help diversify the possibilities for local farmers. And a lot of them say, look, uh, cannabis cultivation is uh, legal in many parts of California. Consumption is legal everywhere in California. There's already one dispensary you can in Napa County. You can get cannabis delivered in Napa County. This is here. It's inevitable. It's coming. So let's make sure to do this in uh, the most thoughtful way possible. And if you asked uh, maybe Eric Sklar, um, who's the founder of this association, he would tell you that the Board of Supervisors up in Napa County has been kind of dragging its feet on cannabis cultivation. Um, you know, their group says it's been two years since Prop 64 passed legalizing cannabis fully in the state of California. Um, this is overdue. And, you know, I, I talked to some of the supervisors in the county and their answer was this. Uh, we've got bigger fish to fry right now. Um, their county is still dealing with recovery from the wine country wildfires. They're building a multi-million dollar jail, uh, you know, ongoing housing crisis. So this is just kind of um, low stakes, low priority for them. Yeah. Well, what are some of the more environmental concerns that have been raised by mostly, I'm guessing, going to guess the wine industry? I think the extent to which cannabis cultivation alongside vineyards would have any sort of effect is still kind of unknown. We know that in other parts of the state, for instance, in Santa Barbara County, um, there's a lot of concern about the smell and the odor of cannabis farms being kind of taking over the landscape. You know, um, I spoke with one uh, opponent of cannabis cultivation in Napa Valley, who's a vineyard manager, Don Monk of Hall Wines. He was citing the example of eucalyptus trees. We know that uh, oils from the leaves of eucalyptus trees actually do travel when they're nearby vineyards and get onto grapes. And sure enough, the wines end up tasting a little bit like eucalyptus. If you've ever tried Heights Cellars Martha's Vineyard wine, that's a famous hallmark of it. So there's a lot of questions. There's not evidence that that is the case yet, but there's a lot of questions about whether that might be the case. So um, it's not really known yet. And I mean, you, you mentioned the Santa Barbara, what's happening down there. Um, the Los Angeles Times wrote a huge piece on kind of just how that region has exploded into this California's largest legally grown operation. Um, what are some of the... What were some of the things about that that surprised you? So first of all, um, Santa Barbara County right now has some enormous legal cannabis grows. Um, They have what the Los Angeles Times in that piece said is the largest in the planet, uh, 147 acres. It's really worth remembering that this ballot measure in Napa proposes cannabis farms as a maximum of one acre. So this is just on a completely different scale. But... um, Growers of grapes and other crops in Santa Barbara are complaining about the proliferation of cannabis farms there. One, as I said, for the odor, and um, the article cited winemakers who complained that the 
overwhelming odor of cannabis is deterring people from visiting their tasting rooms. Other farmers said that they feared that by spraying some of their crops with the normal types of treatments, pesticides, herbicides they normally use, they could be held financially liable for ruining multi-million dollar cannabis crops because, of course, you can't use pesticides uh, on legal cannabis in California. So there's this huge question of financial liability for the neighbors of those cannabis grows. Something we've heard over and over again, though, from people who are backing the measures that this is low quantity, high quality. Much like Napa wine. The vision that um, Stephanie Honig, for instance, who's the president of the Napa Valley Cannabis Association, is is putting forth for Napa Valley Cannabis is that it would be a lot like Napa Valley wine, high and um, marketed toward a sophisticated consumer, um, expensive, low quantity, high quality. And um, they point out that the very qualities that make Napa Valley a kind of ideal sweet spot for viticulture also make it a great place to grow cannabis. The long growing season, the high diurnal shift, which is a temperature variation from day to night. And so they really think that Napa Valley could be the destination for world-class cannabis that it is for wine, even more so than places like Santa Barbara or Sonoma or Mendocino. Yeah. And one of the things that your story mentioned also, which to me seems like a very obvious reason to, you know, if I was a landowner in Napa to plant some marijuana uh, is money, right? Like the, it seems to be at least on the surface, a very profitable venture. So Napa already commands the highest prices in the state for wine, uh, but the potential revenues from cannabis bar exceed them. An acre of marijuana grown outdoors can be worth as much as $1.9 million, um, and that includes basically all the dry material that comes from the plant. So the buds, the leaves, and other plant material that might you might not put in a pipe and smoke, but might be processed in a lab to make concentrates, oils, um, edibles. Um, so that's one acre dry cannabis, 1.9. Yeah. And by comparison, an acre of Napa Valley Cabernet Sauvignon grapes, which are Napa's highest priced crop, maybe the country's highest priced crop, can command about $55,000 an acre. So um, that's a huge discrepancy. Of course, it's it's not totally comparing apples to oranges. The costs that come with having a cannabis operation um, outdoors are pretty large when you think about security and things like that. Legal fees alone. Right. So um, and of course, the the amount of money you can sell grapes for doesn't necessarily translate to what you can ultimately sell your wine for. So it's not as if that's really accounting for everything. But to be sure, um, the potential earnings from planting cannabis could really outstrip uh, what wine can do, even in Napa Valley. And I mean, even, and what do you, these are big questions of like potential. And I mean, how about more from a, also from a cultural side of what Napa Valley, how this could change Napa Valley versus in even what Napa Valley is right now, culturally. I mean, you've written Esther about, um, you know, Napa Valley's quote-unquote millennial problem. Um, Others have written about it. And just kind of, you know, Napa Valley seems to be in this state of flux. It's like, you know, it's kind of fighting this Disneyland reputation increasingly. It's kind of not a lot of younger businesses are there. 
younger people might be flocking elsewhere. Um, how could this impact Napa Valley's culture? Well, we know that millennials aren't buying into wine the same way that their parents did. Um, they spend on their needs. They're a little more stingy. They drink across categories with things like beer, spirits. Um, and I think the wine industry is a little nervous about how are we going to hold on to uh, millennials when they surpass their parents as the largest cohort of fine wine drinkers. Um, we know that by, I think, the year 2027, millennials will be the largest fine wine drinking cohort. Um, so, you know, that has people worried. Uh, at the same time, there is a changing conversation around cannabis in this country. It's now fully legal for recreational use in 11 states. Um, in places like Humboldt and Mendocino counties, you see a booming canatourism industry uh, drawing people from across the state and from prohibition states to try things like, um, you know, weed dispensary tours, hop on a bus, visit a pot farm, maybe sit down for a, a gourmet pairing meal with your like <laughs> gorilla glue and steak. I don't know. Um, so there's the thinking that cannabis might actually be a complement for wine in the Napa County and might kind of bolster its revenues as they worry about losing millennials. Yeah, we spoke with a number of folks who are backing the ballot measure who say, hey, we need to really think of a way to get young drinkers to come visit Napa Valley if they're not as interested in wine as their parents. And this could be a really great uh, tourism component. Culturally, I think it really does become an existential issue for Napa Valley. I mean, Napa Valley is wine. And is there room in Napa Valley's identity to be about anything else? Um, you know, if there, if, if farmers, landowners see the potential in, uh, you know, cannabis, will they rip out vineyards? Will we see those same kind of white plastic, um, covers over cannabis grows that we now are seeing dotting the wine regions of Santa Barbara County? And, uh, will people associate the name Napa Valley with anything else? I don't think there's a lot of excitement among um, a lot of people whose lives really depend on the Napa Valley brand being what it is about seeing this new thing come in. And it's worth noting, too, that, um, you know, Sonoma County, sure, we think of wine. Santa Barbara County, we think of wine. But um, none has really hung its hat on wine to the same degree that Napa County has. In Napa County, 99% uh, of all agriculture is wine grapes. In Sonoma County, it's just 65%. They've got all kinds of other farms going on. So um, it the stakes really are higher in Napa for making room for anything else. Pot pun, the stakes are higher. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what's next for the measure? Yeah, so right now, uh, the city council in Napa County is reviewing the ballot measure, and they get to give an opinion on whether or not the text is legal, the language of the bill is legal. Uh, next, the Office of Registrar of Voters or something, uh, he will review a random sampling of signatures on the petition to even put this measure on the ballot. The big question moving forward for this ballot measure is what the Board of Supervisors will do to intervene. Um, you know, they've been holding off this long. They have a couple choices. They might say, great, let's 
adopt the measure as is. That seems pretty unlikely. Um, they might think that the measure doesn't have enough votes to support it, um, that it doesn't have the, the public support uh, to pass if it's placed on the ballot measure. So they might put it there and say, OK, you know, we'll, we'll let the public defeat this thing. The third option, and one that I think uh, this association might be holding out for, is that the Board of Supervisors could put together their own ordinance. Um, they might say, you know, we like some things, we want to change others. They draft their own measure, put it up for public comment. Um, and Eric Sklar told me that his group would be, you know, happy if they wanted to take it into their own hands, that they would readily pull their measure from uh, consideration. They have until December, the Board of Supervisors, that is, to make a decision. So right now it's in the air, but I get a feeling that this is going to be quite a brawl. <laughs> yeah. Um, and a lot of folks view it as really preferable for this to go through the Board of Supervisors rather than through a ballot measure because um, in Napa County, if you pass something by a vote of the people, you need another vote of the people to amend it at all. So if they wanted to make any changes to it in the future, it would be pretty complicated to do so if it goes through uh, a vote. And we do see one opponent on the horizon. Um, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> so there's an organization called the Farm Bureau in Napa County, and they have already voted to oppose the measure. Um, the question now is whether or not they're going to spend money to do so. And that's a decision they've not yet made. So that's the relatively um, short term. What are your predictions or uh, visions of just like, what does Napa Valley look like in 50 years, 100 years? I think there will be, and in my opinion, should be some cannabis. Um, I mean, I, I think there's a really compelling argument to be made for a kind of diversification of Napa's monoculture. Um, ultimately, if if what ends up becoming legal resembles anything like this um, proposal, it really is going to be pretty small scale in Napa County. We're talking one acre maximum, and that's uh, on a 10 acre plot. So this you can't really just have like a huge cannabis farm in Napa. Um, that's compared to vineyards that might be, you know, there are vineyards in Napa County plenty that are over 100 acres. So um, I think this might help some farmers who are on the hillsides who have um, plots of land that because of very strict permitting regulations, they aren't allowed to plant to vineyard, uh, maximize some of their earning potential by putting a little bit of cannabis there. Um, I think we're going to come up with all kinds of interesting, sophisticated ways of mitigating the effect of scent and uh, any other potential environmental contaminations. Um, and I think as our, our society's sense of what cannabis is and what it means and who can consume cannabis continues to evolve, there might be room for us to imagine a sophisticated wine drinker and cannabis consumer. Cool. Well, looking forward to seeing what happens. And I hope glad to see that you'll both be tracking this in the coming weeks and months and years. Um, Malia Russell, Esther Mobley, thanks for joining us. Thank, Thank you, Paolo. Thank you to reporter Malia Russell, wine critic Esther Mobley, and food editor Paolo Lucchese. Thanks to Libby Coleman for producing this episode. 
and thank you for listening. Fifth and Mission is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. You can support Fifth and Mission and the newsroom that creates it with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.